Today we're continuing our sermon series uh, in the book of John, and today I get the uh, pleasure of doing two chapters, which is about impossible in 25 minutes, um, but I get the chapters 17 and 18, and once again, this is one of those weeks where it's just like, come on, 25 minutes to do two chapters, that's impossible, especially this book, the book of John. There's too much things going on, there's too much life lessons to, to learn about in this book, um, and especially to give it 25 minutes wouldn't do it any justice. So today, I'm just going to focus on a small little section in chapter 18. Um, But just to give you guys a a, a brief history of what we've just been talking about all this time, the book of John, one of the Gospels, is is basically Jesus' ministry um, all the way up until the time of his death. Uh, And so here we have uh, Jesus performing miracles, right, way back in chapter 2, which is bunch of weeks ago, right? He turned water into wine. He just started everybody off with just a little a sample. Here, here's what I can do. I can just turn water into wine, just like that. Um, and then he goes off and he does even more, bigger miracles than just that, right? The last one I talked about was he fed the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish. Um, and his miracles got even bigger and bigger, uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. Um, Jesus loved Lazarus and he didn't want to see him um, in his deathbed, so he raised Lazarus from the dead. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, after that. So after Jesus has been doing all of these miracles, uh, his popularity gained, um, his popularity dropped, um, and now people are starting to be a little bit skeptical of him. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, people are actually plotting out to get him now. They actually don't want him to be doing all of these things. They actually don't want him to be doing these miracles and, and, and doing all of these teachings. So now Jesus is on his way to being arrested and on his way to the crucifixion, as we know, um, happens later in this book. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, Yvonne talked about um, Jesus' last time with his disciples, and he washed their feet, um, and what an amazing time that was for Jesus and his closest friends, his disciples. Last week, Thomas talked about one of Jesus' last teachings to them. Right? He gave the, I am the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. And that was Jesus, one of his last teachings to his disciples. And so today, here we are in chapter 17 first. Um, Jesus now goes off and he prays to his father. Uh, and he, and he, this is his final prayer to his father, um, the final moment that he has uh, with his father. Um, and, he, and he communes with him in prayer. And he's talking about, Father God, glorify me um, so that I may glorify you. Father God, I just thank you for everything that you've done for me up until this point. Um, I have done everything you have asked me to uh, even now. And Father God, may you just continue to be with me. Not just be with me, but be with my disciples. Because as I go, now they are going to have to take over the ministry. Because I am leaving, they are the ones that are going to have to do the work that I've been doing. And Father God, not only be with the disciples, but he also goes and prays for the believers. That would be like some of us here. That's who Jesus prays for. He prays for the believers. Father God, be with them. So that their faith may not wander. And then we get to chapter 18. Sorry, I would spend a whole lot more time in chapter 17, but that would take me three days. And I'm sure you guys got a lot of stuff to do. So here we are in chapter 18. And I will read from verse 1. And it says this. When he had finished praying, that would be Jesus, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed to the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. 
I'll stop there for now. If you had to title this message, um, maybe you can just call it Choices, Choices, Choices. See, here we have Jesus in this time, right now, and it just says that he crossed the river and he went over to the other side into a garden uh, where he often met with his disciples. See, and the reason why I like to think of this as a choice is because Jesus, much like us, at this point, had a choice. He could carry on with whatever he was doing. Jesus knew what his fate was if he kept going with this procedure. Jesus knew what his faith was if he just continued and, and went along with the process of getting to the cross. Jesus understood that. So it is at this point Jesus made a choice. I'm not just going to run. In fact, I'm going to go across this, this river. I'm going to go to that place where, where Judas knows I'm going to be at because I know that's where he's going to lead the people to come and find me. So that's where I'm going to go. Jesus could have opted and said, no, I'm not going to go over the river. You're crazy. That's where they're going to find me. I'm not going to go to a place. See, I've got this brother-in-law. If I ever had to find him, I know where exactly to go. I know the spot. I know the parking stall. I know the tree. I mean, because that's just where he often goes. And the same thing with Judas. Judas knew that Jesus would be in this spot at this time of day. Probably because that's where they always go. Same thing with my brother-in-law. I know he's at Macaw Surfing Bees right now, probably. Probably surfing. Maybe under the tree, barbecuing something with his friends. That's where he's always at. It's like a common place for them. Judas knew this. Jesus knew that Judas knew this. But Jesus didn't, he didn't shy away from it. He made the choice. No, I'm going to go there anyway. I'm going to put myself in that place because that's where I know that they'll find me and we can get on with this party. We read on. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that all the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. We'll take a pause there. Again, another choice. Jesus was faced with another opportunity. They came. He asked them, who is it that you're looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. At that point, at that point, the men fell to the ground. In the Greek, it, it actually, it's not really they fell to the ground as if, oh, they're clumsy. No, it actually means that they were pinned to the ground. So Jesus, in his power, when he declares, I am he, they were actually pinned to the ground. They fell to the ground and were pinned there and subdued to the ground. Now, why is this important? Because, again, Jesus had a choice. He had an option. I have the option now. I can either run because they're pinned to the ground, or I can stay right here and just let them get back up and do their thing. Jesus had another choice. Do I go? Do I stay? He just showed his power. What more should he do? He could have opted to just go and run. Or not even run. He could have just walked away. They're pinned to the ground. What what are they going to do? They don't have guns. Right? But he opted to stay. He chose to stay. He chose to carry out the procedure that what God had set before him at that time. But again, first choice. Jesus 
probably didn't even have to go there, but he did anyway. Second choice, he probably could have ran and left while they were stuck to the floor, but he stayed. He stayed, and all he wanted was for his people to go, for his disciples to leave. Just let these guys go, I'll stay. Don't worry about it. And they carry on. And then we take on verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Again, he's got another choice. He's already two choices in deep. Now he's got one more. Simon Peter, like a, like a normal erratic follower of God, as soon as they see that he's about to get arrested, draws his sword and says, Shing! pretty bad aim because he only cuts off an ear. doesn't cut off a head or a limb. He just gets an ear. It's like, oh, come on. That's the biggest thing you could have got off? Gee. But Jesus could have let it play it out. Rebellion, right? Just let, just let everybody start busting out swords and start cutting, cutting each other up. But no. He tells them, stop. What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And he makes a very profound statement. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? What an unbelievable statement in all of this madness. Everything that's about to take, go play, go, take place. He tells one of his friends that just, about, that just stood up for him really badly, but he stood up for him at least. And he said, look, stop. What's about to happen to me must go on. That's what shall I not drink of this cup means. Look, there's something about to happen to me. There's this cup that I need to take or that I need to drink from, and it has to happen. It cannot not happen. So what is this cup that you, that you, you might be asking yourself? We see, we see a little glimpse of this. See, so John writes this to the Jews. And while he writes this, he always throws in some Old Testament scripture or some Old Testament uh, motifs, um, have you, um, to, to help the Jews better understand what was happening. So this cup that he was talking about, you, you can read about it in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 51, verse 17. And it says this, Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, you who have drained to its dregs the goblet that makes people stagger. You can also read it in Jeremiah 25. It says this, verse 15, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they drink it, they will stagger and go mad because of the sword I will send among them. So what is this cup that Jesus, that, that Jesus explains to John? It's this cup of wrath, God's wrath. Now you think that's kind of weird, right? Here's Jesus, son of God, son of the living God, about to partake in God's wrath. But again, it's a choice. See, Jesus made this choice to partake of God's wrath, not just because, but it's because of each and every one of us here. That choice to partake of God's wrath was because of you and I. You see, that cup of God's wrath is actually meant for us. It is not meant for Jesus. It was never meant for Jesus. It should be us. It should be us partaking of that wrath if we so choose to. But God took, Jesus took it for us. 
He said, look, this must go on. I must take of this cup. God's wrath must be directed at me so that you guys, every single one of us, can have the opportunity of everlasting life. I've got this illustration for you guys. Maybe this might help you guys. So I just got some random drinks. This is coconut water. Frappuccino. Some of you guys look like you guys need some of that. Some pog. My kids like that. Oh, water. Vitamin water. Are you health freaks? Lemonade. Ooh. Sour. Cranberry juice. I know what you guys are thinking. Why does he have wine glasses and cranberry juice and Coke and all of these things? Don't tell the majors. So here we have two cups. And again, remember, it's choices. And the thing is this. Jesus left us with a choice. He left us with a choice. We can make the same choice that Jesus made. Jesus actually told James and John the same thing. Look, someday you're going to have to make the same, you're going to have to drink of the same cup that I did. And that cup is choice. We each are going to have to make that same choice of which cup we want to partake of. The cup of God's wrath or the cup of God's salvation. So it goes like this. This is just water. My mouth is dry. So let's just say water. Mm. You guys are getting thirsty. I know it. So let's just pretend this cup represents God's wrath. And let's just say these represent some type of sin. So here we have a little bit of that one. Some of that, some pog. Some lemonade. Oh, so dramatic eh, when the cover pops off. Some lemonade, a little bit of Coke. This is a sin for many of you, I know it. I know it. Some of you give up on soda for a while and you guys are like salivating at this Coke. Some Coke. For all you health freaks that put fitness above Jesus, here you go, for you. Frappuccino, Mm, too much caffeine. I can't get it open. Here we go. Nope. There we go. Got it. Oh, that's a lot. Last one. Coconut water. Oh, boy. It's going to be bad. You guys are all wondering, like, this guy's crazy. What is he doing? I promise this will, this will uh, enlighten you a little bit. I pray. <laughs> Oh boy. So let's just say, here we have two cups. Now if I was to walk up to any of you guys, knowing what just went in there, and I said, here, go ahead, drink from any one of these, your choice, your call, what do you want? You want this cup with all that? Oh boy. Or this cup, the cup that's clean, refreshing. Which one do you want? See, nobody in their right mind will look at this cup and go, I'll take that one. Wow. That was a bad choice. Bad deal. Second service is going to pay for that one, I think. 
I got to do this again now. We've got two services. Whew. Should have taken a smaller sip. Or are you going to take this one? The refreshing drink. I got to rinse myself down. See, because the crazy thing is this. A lot of you guys just saw me drink that, and you guys said, this guy is mental. What is he thinking, drinking from that cup? I would have just used it as an example and not even drink it. He's crazy. Why? See, but as you guys look at me and say, why did I just drink that? All of heaven is looking down at some people and saying, are they crazy? Why would they even drink of the cup of God's wrath? Why would they even think of that? Why would they even go through a process knowing that your fate is eternal damnation, eternal separation from God, when you can drink of the other cup, the cup of salvation, that brings everlasting life? Why would you even think of that cup and not take that one? It seems like a pretty simple choice, because if I were to offer that, you guys would definitely not take the other cup. You guys would definitely take the cup of water. Oh, my stomach is paying for it now, but too much coconut juice. But it was a pretty simple illustration, right? There's no way you take the cup filled with all that stuff. You easily take the cup of water. But see, the same thing, you take the water, guaranteed. But the same thing can be said about our lives. See, we throw drinking from a, a cup as simple as that, but why are we going to treat our lives any different? It's our eternity that we're talking about. The choice that we make, or the choice that God says we're going to have to make, is, is dealing with our eternity. It's not going to deal, I mean, I'm going to have to pay for this in a little bit, probably after first service, but, but we're talking about eternity here. And so the choice should be obvious. It should be pretty blunt and upfront. Separation from God, eternity with them. Separation from God, eternity with him. It's a simple choice. It's a simple illustration. Oh, sorry. Shouldn't have drank that thing. But it's the same thing in our lives. Why would we even choose the other side? Why would we even choose that cup of God's wrath? See, that's just minor compared to what God's wrath is. As you're going to see next week or the following week, when we start to look at God's, Jesus' crucifixion, that's God's wrath being poured out on his son. Why would we even choose that? Why would we even want that? Why would we want that for our loved ones? Why would we want that for ourselves? when we can just choose eternal life, when we can just choose eternity with them, the cup of clean water, not the cup of ugh, stuff. So that's my message, plain and simple, short and sweet. God offers us a choice. So to a lot of us, it's a simple choice, but to many people who, whose brains are clouded by other things who still have those scales over their eyes or, or ears are, are deaf to what God has to say. It's, it's a tough choice. But it's a simple illustration. Look, we can either choose to go on our path and take part of God's wrath or choose salvation. For myself, I choose salvation because I know the benefits that it has for me. So the, choice, the question is, what do you choose? Or what do you guys want to choose? Or thinking about choosing? 
or whatever it may be. But what do you choose for yourselves? God's wrath, God's life. Eternity without him, eternity with him.